months talking about all the stuff the devil's trying to get us to fall and trying to get us to crumble. And yeah, we had to look at this stuff, and it's good to know it. We got to apply it to our lives. It wasn't just another good message or another bad message. It was what we needed in the walk of life that we have. But let me tell you, if you're getting back up, that means you're still trusting in Jesus. And brother, if you don't give up, he ain't giving up. He'll meet you wherever you are. He'll pick you up from whatever you're in. There ain't no devil that can keep you down. Because he overcame at Calvary. For 2,000 years, the devil has been running scared. What I'm going to preach to you this morning is about what God's going to do. Because the devil, he done lost the power. He lost at Calvary. We don't stand and fight from a place of defeat. We stand and fight from a place of victory. And God says, I'm getting you in shape to be soldiers. It's a set of fire in my soul. One that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. And I don't know what you're saying. That's between you and him. I want more of you, God. I don't know where you're at, but I want more of you, God, because I can't do this without you. I want more and more. We talked Wednesday night talking about faith and people not understanding, people not getting it, but you want to know the thing about faith? Let me give you a little tidbit. This kind of spoke to me that night while we was in there, and I, I felt like I needed to share it. Man, the fact that you keep digging, when you got faith, and it don't matter what's going on, you just keep digging. You just keep coming in and learning. You just keep getting more and more. And then he gives us these little nuggets that just gives us to nibble on. Brother, that's a sign right there. That's a sign that you're walking with the Creator. Did you know that? That's a sign. I don't understand it all. Guess what? I don't either, but I'm going to tell you what. When I run into something I don't get, I start praying. Because he will show us. He desires to. You know that prayer we had this morning for all these people? Do you realize if you stood up for somebody, you mentioned somebody, did you know you're part of that army? The devil didn't want you doing that. He didn't even want you showing up to church for afraid that you're going to do it. Because some prayers went up this morning for people in need. We got to be a part of it. That's part of being in the army. We throw some weapons and we throw, we throw some bullets out there that the devil, he, he can't do nothing with them. He wishes he could. He wants to get us to the place we won't even aim the gun to pull the trigger. That's where he wants to take us to. But we need to be growing spiritually. Becoming spiritually mature Charlie if you need a you need something for the website or what have you that would be a good place to call it becoming spiritually mature I don't ever title these things until I get going through them and then I'm like that eh, probably needs a title I mean you need to know what to look up right if you want to listen to it again we're going to start in Hebrew Hebrews I was gone so long, I was starting to speak funny. Did you hear that? Hebrews. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. I got to put my cheaters on. Son made me blind. We'll start in verse 6. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, 
encourages every son whom he receives. Let's stop right there. I learned a while back that you don't take that everybody understands what you're saying. Does anybody know what chastening means? A little whipping. Yeah, a little whipping. Anybody ever had a little whipping? I had a bunch of them. I ain't getting no big ones, but I got a whole bunch of little ones. A little whipping. How many of you since you've been knowing Jesus, you've been getting a little whipping every now and again? That's a good sign. Trust me, if you didn't raise your hand and you ain't been getting whippings, that's a bad sign. Bad sign. We got to get some whippings from the Lord. I'm going to tell you what the Hebrew says, and I am not going to attempt to say this word because I'll butcher it, and you ain't going to remember it no way. That word chastening in the Hebrew, it says to train up, to educate, to discipline, to instruct, to teach. That's the chastening of the Lord. That's the chastening of the Lord. And then it says he scourges every son whom he receives. Now what does scourging mean? That must be the big whipping. You want to know what the word literally means in the, in, the, in, the, in the Greek? There's only one word they gave to help you understand it. Flog. We used to flog the chickens. Or they'd try to flog you. You know what I'm saying? They'll jump on you and they'll just go crazy on you. Especially around springtime, breeding time, they just get kind of nuts. And them old roosters, you kind of watch them. We had a rooster buddy that the Swedish sisters uh, 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 rooster. Called him Doofus. That had to be the dumbest chicken ever born. And he just walked around looking like it. Well, Doofus wasn't such a doofus when springtime rolled around. He was friendly. He would eat, he would eat out of your hand. Sweet Pete, where's Pete go? Pete leave? Oh, there you are. You remember Doofus? Long about springtime, Doofus got mean, man. I'm going to tell you what, he had some spurs on him about that long. And he would flog you. You got near him and the sun wasn't setting right and he wasn't feeling right. Something was going on, what used to be your buddy. He would jump up and he'd go to town. I kicked him one time and it was about a 50-yard punt. <laughs> and it never fazed him. Never phased him. But that's what that word means. So if that's a little whipping over here for chasing, then it's a big whipping for the scourging. And it says, every son whom he receives. If you belong to Jesus, you know this, you're going to get some whippings and some beatings. I reckon it's a good way to say that. And that's a good thing. Let's keep reading. If you endure chastening. Now, that's an interesting set of words, isn't it? If you endure I reckon on the other side of that, you have a choice not to endure. I'll let you work that out for yourselves. I'm not trying to put nothing in your brain here. But if you endure, God deals with us as with sons. For what son is there whom the father does not chasten? But if you were without chastening, now this is the dangerous part, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. All have become partakers. You realize I got saved because of that? He was doing some chasing and I hadn't even claimed him as my God. That's how he got a hold of me. 
I dare say most of you probably went through the same thing. There's some stuff that he had to deal with. But then you know what? You can get to a place that you just don't want to hear from the Lord. You get tired of hearing from him. You get tired of hearing about him. You don't want that. That's a dangerous place to be in. Because then he'll stop chasing you. But we're going to go somewhere this morning, so y'all hang on. We're just laying the groundwork. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily in the subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Shouldn't we show him respect when he's chastening us? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as it seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. The reason that the chastening comes, what does chastening mean? To train up, to teach, to discipline. That's what it means. So we need to have that. And if we receive that, we are partakers of his holiness. That's how we become like him. He's teaching us. Don't you hate getting taught sometimes? I'm going to tell you right now, this is probably a time in history that's probably worse than any we've ever known. It's hard to give people correction. Oh, constructive criticism. I don't know if there's many people that I know of when constructive criticism comes their way. There's a spirit inside of them that somehow didn't get took care of whenever they asked Jesus in. They didn't let him have that part. You know what I'm talking about? Constructive criticism. I find that more in a church where we're full of volunteers. Yeah, okay, if you're paying them $200,000 a year, you can chase them and do all the correcting you want because they'll take it and do what you say. Why? Because the real God is what's holding them. It's called the paycheck. But when it's the volunteers, hey, you need me. Friend, don't you never think for a minute God needs you for nothing. He wants you to be a part of it. But he'll get it done without you. None of us was around whenever he formed this world, was we? Did he ask any of us what our thoughts was on how he should do the North Pole? How tall Mount Everest should be? He didn't ask us that. Don't ever think for a minute we're doing God a favor. You ain't doing God a favor by sitting here today. You're here today so that he can talk to you. I'm here today in the position that I'm in so that he can speak. And that's been my prayer. I've been up since 3.30 this morning talking to him. Because I don't want to get in the way. I want him to do the work. I've said I'll do it. And some of you might blame me. That'll be okay. You take it up with him. We move it upstairs. We move it upstairs. But we're going to follow Jesus. But that's how we become partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, look what happens with the chastening. It yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Peaceful fruit. That's why the chastening. Don't we need it? Amen. Don't we need chastening? Let's wake up. Let's give him a hand clap or something. Stand up and jump. Let's let him know that we want to be chastened. We want what he has for us. We need what he has for us. You see, God is our father. The day I was born, God's my father. I don't want to mess up your theology. Just walk with me through this for a minute. Everybody that's breathing today, he is their father. They just don't know it yet, some of them. Does that make sense? 
If you go through the rest of this life and you never get the idea that God is the Father and you need Him, that would be called being separate from God from the day He was born up until you received Him. If you have salvation, now you get it, that He's your Father. He's always been, but now you've been joined to Him. Hang on to Him. Take the chastening. Grow. Grow up. And let Him take you on this journey, and then whenever you die or he comes back, we get to spend eternity with him. All because of what Jesus did at the cross, Brother Murphy. That's how much God loves us, and he is your father. Now those that don't get it or they refuse to have him or they turn and walk away, yeah, I'll even say that. I have been for six months. You can't do that. If they turn and walk away or they never receive him and then they die, well, you was already separated from him before, then you're going to spend eternity separated. What are the two places for that? Well, if you're with him, you were. Okay, I'm making sure y'all hanging on to this. If you ain't, where would you be? Heaven and hell, real places. It's in the Bible, it's true. For the Bible tells me so. Therefore, it's true. So, he only chastens us to help us develop in our spirit. That's how we become partakers of his holiness. That's why we get the little whippings and the big whippings. I've had some big whippings from God. Oh, he loved me and said, I love you. And I'm like, oh, that's just so great. And then all of a sudden, he commenced a beating on me and said, son, wake up. And I hope he'll give me some more if I need them. I don't want them if I don't need them. How about you? But what do you think we would look like if God allowed us to see only our spirits? Because this is about growing us in our spirit, right? Here's a thought. I'm going to put a, a, a physical ailment, and I'm not knocking anybody for it. I please don't want you to take it that way and apply it to a spiritual sense. One of them would be you'd be crippled. Crippled people can't go build houses if their legs don't work and their hands don't work. People crippled inside of their head. They can't understand stuff. The simplest thing is hard for them to do. Spiritually speaking, if God let us look at ourselves, every single one of us, there's a little bit of crippling going on. And he's saying, chastening comes so I can help you get through that. So that now stuff makes sense. So that now I have miraculously touched you and those spiritual legs that I'm wanting to use to go over here or over there and tell somebody about Christ or to give your testimony, now those spiritual legs work. That's why we have this. Do you understand what I'm talking about? One of the other places would be that we would be blind. We're living in a day and age that whenever the Word of God is preached, people are so blind. Whenever the Holy Spirit's knocking on the door and saying, I want to come in, and we say, oh, I don't know about it. We can't see that it's Him. We can't know that it's Him, and we become blind. We don't see people the way He sees people. They have to fit in categories. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, this one's worth it, this one ain't. God help us all that we don't go there. 
because we become spiritually blind. We don't see how he sees. And the other one is, is we can be deaf, spiritually deaf. Can't hear the voice of God. Can't hear what he's teaching us. Can't hear his direction when he's prodding us to do something or go somewhere, say something, preach, teach, do whatever it is. Sing. Maybe it's singing. Maybe God's been calling on you to come and just bell her out for him and you won't do it. That's where we're spiritually weak and that's when chastening comes. And it don't have to come in a form related to something. He's going to get you attention. He loves you. How much do you love your, your son, Tim? You're going to get his attention, ain't he, when he gets messed up. And God says, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to get your attention. You see, that Carson Hensley, this is my best friend. I don't know if he can hear me or not. He's got his hearing aids in. He can hear better with them in than without them. But we're over to the garden the other day, and it's like a million and five degrees. <laughs> a million and ten for me. But we're working. We're enjoying our time together. We're, we're doing work. Hands are getting dirty. We're sweating. But when we're outside, he can't wear his hearing aids. Because that breeze that we raise our arms to and say, oh, thank you, Jesus, that feels good. It's so refreshing. It sounds like a tornado to him with his hearing aids in. He can't hear me. But that doesn't affect our relationship. I do a whole lot of listening because he can't always hear what I'm saying. There's something about the tone of my voice and where his pitch is on his ears that they just don't mesh. Something has to change in order for us to do it. But you want to know something? We still work together. We still understand each other. Our love for each other has never changed. But sometimes communication gets lost. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And it's the same thing if we get spiritually deaf. Doesn't mean God don't love us. It doesn't mean that he ain't still trying to help us along. But communication's been messed up. And before long, it becomes a one-sided conversation. We do the asking, we don't do no listening. We do the demanding, we don't do no listening. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That's why the chastening has to come, because we get deaf, we get blind, we get crippled, and we can't do what God's wanting us to do. Do you understand? And we all are facing it. We point at each other, but we don't need to be pointing at each other. We need to be praying for one another. We need to be lifting each other up. We need to be letting the Word of God come inside of us and do a miraculous thing in us. You see, our concept of God must be the whole picture. We must see Him as the all-sufficient one. We prayed this morning because He is the all-sufficient one. There ain't nothing He can't not handle. Did I say that right? There ain't nothing that he can't not handle. He has to be sovereign. He has to be Lord of all. You've heard that cliche thing, or he's not Lord at all. He has to be Lord in every aspect, in every area, in every dimension. He has to be Lord, and we have to make that determination that he is Lord, or he ain't none at all. 
He don't come into this thing halfway. You don't ride the fence. You either with him or you against him. Ain't no part-time Christians. If you think there are, then that's where the blindness and the deafness and the crippledness comes in. And that, my friends, is a dangerous place to be because before long you might be coming to church dressed up to the nines 50 times on Sunday and not even know it. Is that an amen or not? Don't say it just because I said to say it. If you really get it, that's where we need to be. We can do that. You see, we have to see that he is omnipotent. You realize he, that, that means to do, there ain't nothing he can't handle. With God, all things are possible. Sister Marion could be sitting in the hospital today when we go see her and be packing her suitcase saying, I'm going home and make a pie. I believe it with all my heart. Otherwise, I wouldn't have wasted your time to pray this morning. I'm not putting on some kind of show. I believe he can do it. He may say, no, I'm ready for her to come home. I also believe that he can give that family the comfort and peace that they need that only he can give them in a time of loss. And he can use that situation for anything he wants because he's sovereign. And he's capable of doing anything. <laughs> and we live a life of everybody telling us what we can't do. Well, that can't happen. Well, no. Get off of that horse. He can do anything. We need to be praying like he can. He can touch you. He can touch you. You walk out of here different than when you came in. Amen. Amen. He can do that. He's also omnipresent. Friend, I told you a minute ago, there ain't nowhere you go, no thoughts you have. He ain't there. You ain't hiding nothing from the Lord. He knows. He's always there. He sees the situation. He sees tomorrow. He's making plans for you now to help you get around something, through something, over something. He's always there. That's who he is. And he's omniscient. He's always present. Everybody breathe in. Think of the Holy Spirit being there. As a matter of fact, pneuma is the word in, in, in the New Testament. Ruach is the word in the Greek, uh, uh, Hebrew. Both of them mean a rush of air when it refers to the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. We translate it two different ways. It's created more problems and fights than anything, all because of a bunch of selfishness. But you got one Hebrew word and you got one, one word in the Greek. See, God knew what he was doing. He used some languages that there are no descriptors. You don't have to have descriptors. Only one way to interpret them. But you've got to study. You've got to want to know. See, there's nothing worse than us trying to have our own set of filters to try to take the Bible and figure out what it says. Politically, culturally, doctrinally. Oh, yeah. That goes back to messages like three months ago. <laughs> that's how that stuff happens oh well we can't face that part well you might as well face it because he said it that's how he is and so we got to hold on he's omniscient he knows everything he is everywhere he is sovereign and uh, folks if he already is there 
And if he already knows what he wants out of me and out of you, and if he already knows my needs before I ask, don't the Bible say that? He already knows, but he wants us talking to him. He wants us asking. If he is already working off of the master plan, which is his plan, see, we get upset with God whenever we ain't on his plan. He don't change his plan. We get on board with his plan. When we can't get on board, that's whenever the chastening comes. That's when the prayer needs to be happening. That's when the humility and the submission needs to be happening so we can get on board. Ask, seek, and knock. Remember, you ask. If God said it doesn't happen, then he's saying no. Well, if you keep asking and he keeps saying no, well, you're just praying a prayer that means absolutely nothing because God's already said no. Half of the time, you'll find the answer in the word because that's not who he is and not what he's going to do. Then you start seeking his will. When you start seeking his will, that's when your will changes. And when you get on board with that, that's when you get commenced to knocking. All right, Lord, this is what you want to do. Let me hang on to you. Let me hang on to you. And that builds us in our faith. Ask, seek, and knock. So how does he get me to this place? And it's by chasing him. That's how he does it. Let's go to Psalm 37 real quick. Yeah, Psalm 37, verse 1. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. This piece of scripture, folks, it's talking about two paths. It's the paths of the evildoers and just what their choices are going to bring about. That's what this is about. And it's also about those who love and serve God. That's what this scripture is about. Now how can I commit my ways to Him if I don't know my way? If I don't know His way, how am I going to commit to His way? That's why you got to get in the Word. That's why you got to get in church. That's why you got to be taught. That's why you need to teach, by the way. You teach, I'm going to tell you what, it's going to take you to a whole other level of understanding. Because it's a little bit different than just reading it. Does anybody know who a guy by the name of Roy Regals? Ever heard that name? Let me tell you about Roy Regals. He had a nickname. His nickname was Wrong Way. You know him now? Oh, I, I like sports, so I'm going to help you out here. This fella, he was the center for, for UC Berkeley, University of California, Berkeley. He was the center. You know the guy that snaps the ball to the quarterback? This might help you a little bit. It might be why you don't know him. He was 165 pounds. They don't even have 165-pound centers in peewee league anymore. you got to be big to be a lineman. He was 165 pounds. He was the center, UC Berkeley. Ball's on the 30-yard line. 30, you know. One team defends this goal, the other team defends this goal. The guy's going this way, if the ball crosses that goal, they get points. If the ball, guy's going this way, the ball crosses the goal, they get points. They're on the 30-yard line heading that way. They only got 30 yards. 
30 yards, 90 feet to get the ball across the goal for a score. One of the running backs happens to fumble the ball. The center, Roy Regal, wrong way, Regal, do you understand maybe how he got the name? He recovered the fumble. And when he picked up, instead of heading that way, he took off that way. A 165-pound center, I guess, can move. The guys today, they don't move that fast. But he's going. He's getting it on. The fans are cheering. People are going crazy. Some are saying, turn around, you nut. Some are saying, go. Because it don't matter who takes the ball across the goal. That's where the points happen. And the only thing he knows, I'm in the Rose Bowl in 1929, and I'm about to be a hero. Roy's getting on down the road, man. Here he goes. And finally, somebody tackles him on the one-yard line. 69-yard run saved him from crossing the goal line. It was one of his own teammates. You see, Roy had gotten so caught up in things like you and I can, you can forget which way you're going. And that's why we need some chastening to happen in our lives. God's saying, hey, you're heading the wrong way. You're headed the wrong way and I need to do something about it. I need to turn you around. You see, he wants to take us on some places. You know, the scripture says that he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalms 37 well, we'll just do that, 37 forward. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Most people say, well, God's going to give me what I want. Know what that scripture is saying. He will give you the desire in your heart. You see, there are people in the, in the Bible who have always followed the Lord. Moses is a good example. Why in the world would this dude spend 40 years in a sandy desert with uh, three or four million people who every single day from the time they woke up until the time they went to sleep was whining and complaining about God to Moses and whining and complaining to Moses about God. You know why he did that? Because there was a desire put inside of his heart. He wanted to know who God was. God appeared to him in a burning bush. Gave him some orders, gave him some directions. He even told him, man, you're going to go talk to this fellow six or seven times and I'm going to make his heart cold. <laughs> what you're going to say is futile. It ain't going to work. But I'm the one doing it. You see, God is in control. What about Peter? Would you be crucified upside down over a lie? No? Then we need to be telling people about Jesus. You're going to get crucified by people. People are going to come at us. People are going to say, I don't want to hear this junk. But we need to be telling people about Jesus. Peter did it. He denied him at first, but whenever he had this encounter with Jesus on, on the shore, there was something that happened. He understood about forgiveness. He understood about redemption. He understood about being born again. He understood about the power of God. He was dead, but now he's alive. Whoa. Now he can walk through, through walls and doors and he can sit down and eat with us. I like that part. We get to sit down and eat with our glorified body. What about, what about Paul? 
Man, he gets saved and everybody's scared to death of him. They don't want to have nothing to do it because they don't believe it's true. Oh, he's just playing a joke on us. He's trying to come in and kill us. But it took some things to happen. And this guy, he wrote over a third, I mean, two-thirds of the New Testament, man. He's got the stuff in there. God used him. He reached the Gentiles. It was all because there was a change. Did he go through some chastening? Yes, he did. Read about him. I don't have time to hash it all out with you this morning, but some chastening had to happen. You see, God wants to get a hold of us. He wants to hold on to us. He wants to take us to places that we just don't understand. Psalms 23, 37 and 23, For the steps of a man are ordered by the Lord, and he, who is the he? God, delights in his way. Wow. Philip Philippians 4, 19, And God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. doesn't say needs. It says a need. I want you to look at this piece of scripture in a way that, because we use that a lot of times, that God's going to supply your needs. And the Bible, it, it supports that. But that's not what he's saying here. He's saying here, what he's saying is, he said, I will supply you with a need in order that you will receive of my riches in glory. You wonder why you face junk? Sometimes it's God knocking on the door. Sometimes it's God saying, hey, it's my chastening. I allowed this to happen because I need to get your attention. That's what he tells me. It's what he tells you. If we are spiritually okay to hear and to see, then we're not crippled to understand what he's given to us. You see, there's two things that would help us with our journey with God, and that's the desires and the needs that we have what he puts in us, and all the needs that he gives to us. You don't think it's in the hand of God? I'm going to read two more scriptures for you. Ecclesiastes 9 and 1, For I consider all this in my heart, so that I could declare it all, that the righteous and the wise in their works are indeed, are in the hand of God. People know neither love nor hatred by anything they see. Or Stuff and circumstances is not what brings out love and hatred, friends. If it does, it ain't real. That's what's sitting here. That's what Solomon is saying. And it's in the hand of God. It's in the hand of God. All things come alike to all. One even happens to the righteous and the wicked. To the good, the clean, and the unclean. To him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. He's saying circumstances. Folks, there are people living today who are living in a shack. Maybe they're living in a box. Maybe they don't know where supper's coming from this evening, and they are very powerful, powerful Christians. It's got nothing to do with their stuff. On the other hand, there are some people in this world today, this morning, they're going to go home to a nice, big, fine home. And, and they may have rode four different cars to church with three people. I don't know how that would work, but you get the picture. And they do know what they're having for supper. And they love the Lord and they're good with the Lord and everything's fine with them and the Lord. The stuff ain't the problem because there are some people who don't have anything who are as wicked as anything as the day is long. And there are some people who have everything and they are as wicked as the day is long. Solomon's saying, look, it's a heart condition and all this stuff is in God's hand. When stuff comes our way, who's allowed it? You see a blade of grass don't even bow down unless the Lord says it can. He's the one that runs the wind. He's the one that says that it can, and that's where he's taking us. You see, every time that I lack in prayer, I get slack, I can tell you what will happen. A need will come. 
Every time I get slack in worshiping, a need will come. That's God knocking, and that's a good thing. Every time I get slack in my devotions and studying, a need will come. That's Him loving us. That's Him loving us for everything in us. You see, folks, we're to live every day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Every day. I may not like all the circumstances. I may not like what's facing, but you know what? God's knocking. You're going through something this morning, that might be chastening from the Lord. I'm going to give you a good example here in a minute. You see, he has a storehouse, and it's full of riches, and they're waiting on us. But we'll never find it if we don't seek. And let me tell you something. That storehouse, we're not talking about gold and silver and fine living. We're talking about a relationship with the Father. You see, me and, me and the Lord's got a good relationship, then me and you got a good relationship. Doesn't matter about your performance or my performance. Uh-uh. That's got nothing to do with it. It's got nothing to do with it. Because if I got him in me, then I have un understanding of mercy and grace. Freely you've received, freely you give. If my relationship with him is good and your relationship with him is good, then we got a super awesome relationship. That's all that matters. You got friends and loved ones around you today. Love them. You see Roy, wrong way, Regals. UC Berkeley, 1929, cost his school the Rose Bowl because he got lost. He was so focused on the cheers, he couldn't see that some of the people cheering him was actually wearing the colors of the other school. He liked those cheers. The ones yelling, hey, you idiot, turn around, they were wearing his colors. He didn't know the voice of his own teammates when they were saying, Roy, turn around, Roy, turn around. How's these other guys going to know your name? Roy, turn around. Until one guy tackles him. Sometimes, Ben, in our life, we're walking and we're running down the court and we're listening to all the fanfare around us. That's what we're seeking. We love it. The flesh loves it. All the while, we're calling it God. And God's the one who does the tackling. He saves you from crossing the wrong goal. You see what I'm talking about? The other team, they're the minions of the devil. Instead of blocking to get to you, they're the ones blocking your teammates who's trying to keep you from scoring. See, that's what the devil does. He, he dresses it up and makes it look like the Bible, Bob. That's what he does. Pick a scripture here, pick a scripture there. He dresses it up. And all the time, God's saying, hey, I got to come with my belt. I got to come with my belt. And we need to love that. Is he chastening you this morning? Is he chastening you this morning? If he ain't, we need to get close to him. Because we need to be chastened. Can you imagine Roy, wrong way, Regals? When he got up off of the ground from the one-yard line, what is one of the words that comes to your mind? Starts with an H. Last way the letter's a Y. You can leave when you get it. Starts with an H. Well, the second letter would be a U. It's like, uh, this is like uh, 
that big wheel again. Wheel of Fortune. H U M I L I T Y. Can you imagine how humiliated this man was when he got up off of the ground and realized he'd put all his effort heading the wrong way? He died in 1993. He had 60-some years to live with all weight. Can you imagine going to the grocery store? Hey, wrong way. Can you imagine that? You know, sometimes we'll face some things, and God's saying, hey, I want you spending forever with me. And if you're, We have to get to a place of humility. Humiliation will take you there. It will take you there. And that should make us excited. Stand to your feet this morning, please. See, this is instruction time. This is instruction time. This is receiving from God time. It's instruction time. Let him take you where you need to go. Let him give to you what you need to have. Don't tell him what's right. Ask him what's right. Receive what he has. That way you won't cross the wrong goal, Bobby. And you're going to face this every day. If he loves you, He's chasing you. I want to see your hands now that you've heard this message. How many of you are getting chastened by God? We're in the last days, folks. There's a whole lot of world pulling at us. Whole lot of world pulling at us. That's a good sign, friend. If you're getting chastened by God, He loves you. He loves you more than anybody in this world can love you. He wants you to pray. He wants you to receive. He wants you to study. He'll put these things in you. Ben, don't matter how many times you fall, get back up. Get back up. Sweetie, don't matter how many times you fall, get back up. It don't matter. Get back up and take his hand. Take his hand. Take it with two hands if you have to. Hold on. Wrap your legs around him. Whatever it is you got to do, hold on to the Lord. Get back up. Chastening comes from him to those who he loves.